Good afternoon, everyone. Our scripture reading today is taken from Nehemiah chapter 3, verses 1 to 10. This is a very challenging um, passage to read. Huh? Nehemiah chapter 3, verses 1 to 10. Then Elias Heap, the high priest, rose up with his brothers, the priest, and they built the sheep gate. They consecrated it and set its doors. Then they consecrated it as far as the tower of the hundred, as far as the tower of Hananiah. And next to him, the man of Jericho built. And next to him, Zacho, the son of Imri built. The sons of Heseniah built the fish gate. They laid the beams and set its doors, its bloats, and its bars. And next to them, Miramoth, the son of Uriah, the son of Hachkox, repaired. And next to them, Mishilam, the son of Bereshia, son of Michel Zalbel repaired, and next to him, Zadok, the son of Barana, repaired, and next to them, the Ketots repaired, and their nobles could not stoop to serve the Lord. Verse 6 Jeda, the son of Pasea, and Mashalam, the son of Bis. Bisodia repaired the gate of Yashana. They laid its beams and set its doors, its bloats, and its bars. And next to them repaired Halasia, the Gibbonites, and Jadon, the Meronohites, the sons of Gibeon and of Mizpah, and the seat of the governor of the province beyond the river. Next to him, Uzziah, the son of Heraniah, goldsmith, repaired. Next to him, Hananiah, one of the perfumers, repaired, and they restored Jerusalem as far as the bread wall. Next to them, Rephahaniah, the son of her ruler of half of the district of all Jerusalem, repaired. Next to them, Jedaniah, the son of Harusap, repaired opposite the house. And next to him, Hatish, the son of Hashabeniah, repaired. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Good afternoon once again. Trust all of us are keeping well. It's good to see so many of us here. That means we are all keeping well. And as we are going to celebrate National Day very soon, let us just continue to thank the Lord for His favour and mercy upon our nation. Amen. Let us pray as we begin. Father, once again, we want to thank you. We want to thank you for your goodness in each one of our lives. We thank you, Lord, for all that you have given to us. And Father, as we think about our National Day, 
Lord, we want to take this opportunity to just thank you for this nation. Thank you for your favor upon our country. And God, we just ask, Lord, that you continue to look upon this nation with favor. And God, we just pray for our, those in authority in the nation. That God, that especially those who call upon your name, may they administer justice and righteousness in all that they do. So Holy Spirit, even as we look at this passage in Nehemiah 3, we ask that you will come and grant us new revelations and insights that we can apply in our lives. And we look to you in Jesus' name. Amen. The book of Nehemiah is a very interesting and wonderful book. From, from this book, we can learn many things, both individually, as a person, as a Christian, and corporately as a body of Christ. And we have learned so far, okay, let's do a little bit of recap, that Nehemiah was one of the Jews that was exiled to Persia. And we all learned that he was handpicked to be a cupbearer to the king of Persia, King Atasizis. And while he was in this foreign land, Nehemiah kept his heart pure before the Lord in this and, and he won the favor of the king. He became to have a pretty good relationship with the king, I'm sure. And he won the favor. In, in that sense, he was um, handpicked by the king to serve him. So, and in that sense, he knew, Nehemiah knew in his heart that he was ultimately serving the king of kings. And then one day, his brother Hanani came and shared with him and told him about the state of Jerusalem, the broken down walls of Jerusalem. And Nehemiah's heart was deeply moved. Then our friend Nehemiah prayed and fasted before the Lord for five months, as we have learned. Then after that, one day he plucked up the courage before the king and made his request. What did he request? He requests for a few things from the king when the king asked him. And the king granted him leave of absence, letter of protection for his personal protection because he was an exile. Like a, so he, he, he couldn't actually move around freely. But, get, but the king gave him that letter of protection. And then Nehemiah also asked for a letter to the to the forest keeper for materials, for building materials. Then Nehemiah finally traveled to Jerusalem. And when he traveled to Jerusalem, he personally and quietly went to inspect the wall. He went to check out the ruins that he heard about. But after he is happy with his so-called research, he staged a rally. He called for people together to mobilize the people, to convince the people to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. I reckon that during this rally, Nehemiah must have reminded the people of the glorious days of Jerusalem. That Jerusalem was a place that the Jews were very proud of. 
you remember from the, from the series on the life of David, that Jerusalem was, was the capital of Israel, became the capital of Israel. And Jerusalem was called to be a blessing to the rest of the nations. However, Israel, and I believe that because Israel was called to be a blessing, here, however, now the walls were laid in ruin. And I'm sure Nehemiah told the people that if they do not build the walls of Jerusalem, they, instead of being a blessing, they will become a laughing stock to the rest of the nations if they don't put their act together. So it was recorded for us that Nehemiah said to, said to the people in chapter 2, verse 17, he said this, And I said to them, You see the trouble we are in. Now Jerusalem lies in ruins, with its gates burned. Come, let us build the walls of Jerusalem, that we may no longer suffer derision. In other Bible translation, they use the word disgrace and reproach. NASB and New King James verses use the word disgrace and reproach. He told them, he says, let's build so that we will not become a disgrace. Let's build so that we will not be a, become a reproach, so that when people look at us, they will laugh at us. But instead, we are called. Remember, we are all called to be a blessing. And we were told that under the inspiration of God, Nehemiah told the people this. He said, told the people this, and the people responded positively. And they said to him in verse 18, he says, let us rise up and build. Wow. Let us rise up and build. And they set their hands to this good work. So it was an agreement that they made with Nehemiah, an agreement that they made together. However, of course, like what we saw last week, there were some naysayers. But Nehemiah was not afraid of them because he was confident that God was with him in this building project. Having said that, can you imagine that Nehemiah, after he heard the response from the people, come, let us build, let us rise up and build. If you were in Nehemiah's shoe, I'm sure you must have been a happy man. He must be excited and, and he sprung into action right away. And of course, I'm sure, being a man of prayer, immediately he offered a prayer of thanksgiving to the Lord. So he was very excited. So Nehemiah sprung into action in planning and organizing and gathering materials and so that this project can get going. We all know that it is never easy to put a project together like this. I used to work in a construction repair company. That means this company specialized in, in repairing existing building. So I know the kind of work that had to go into it. So for, for, this, for this wall to be repaired and rebuilt in 52 days, it certainly was a miracle. In Nehemiah chapter 3, we will notice 
Nehemiah's excellent organizing skills. We, saw, we, we, we read so many names just now. These names meant nothing to you and me. But I'm sure they meant a lot to Nehemiah personally, people that he knew. So he, he must have gave it a lot of thought. And in thinking through, I believe there are three things that we can learn from Nehemiah. First of all, consider. And the work of collaboration and the amount of commitment that went into it. First of all, what did Nehemiah consider? He considered, you must have considered the resources. Nehemiah must have considered resources that were before him and, and whatever that was available at that time so that he can put them all into good use. And he must have thought of budget. There's nothing much that is said to us about the budget. But we know that the people, generous as they were, they probably have contributed whatever that they can and whatever that they have towards this building project. And as we know that Nehemiah had the support of the king, the Persian king, and with that deep resources that he had, is the Persian king, I am sure there was sufficient financial support. So that, that part of it was not very much mentioned, but we, we guess lah, he probably have enough money. Then the next thing was materials. This we know. In chapter 2, when he was requesting for, for materials in front before the king, the king has given him letters to Asaph, the, the forest keeper. In chapter 2, verse 8, it says, And a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, that he may give me timber to make beams for the gates of the fortress of the temple and for the wall of the city and for the house that I shall occupy. So I'm sure being a man, a man that is full of resourcefulness, he must have known where to get the needed materials. Then the one, one last thing that he probably considered huh, is very important, manpower. Who was going to do the job? The pe there are people that were needed to do the work. Nehemiah knew that he couldn't do the work by himself. While inspecting the walls of Jerusalem, I am sure that he already had the people in mind. As we read in chapter 2, verse 16, it says, And the officials did not know where... Is somebody else's talking also? <laughs> and the officials did not know where I had gone for what I was doing. And I had yet, I had yet to tell the Jews, the priests, the nobles, the officials and the rest who were to do the work. So you see, while, while Nehemiah was inspecting the walls, he knew who stayed where, and his mind was already planning, and his mind was already thinking. And he, he knew exactly who to do what and what to be done when he was inspecting the wall. So while 
While walking around or moving around, he must have taken down notes. He knew that things could not happen just by itself. He, he, he was not a wizard that pointed a wand and the, and the walls got rebuilt by itself. He knew that things could not happen by itself and the walls could not be repaired by itself. You and I know that whatever project that we are engaged in, be it at our workplace, be it at our home, or be it in a church, these three things are needed. Budget, materials, and manpower. They are so important. The manpower that Nehemiah had came from all walks of life. We all read, okay, if you, want, if you like to keep your Bibles open, in verse 1, we have the priest. Then in verse 8, we have the goldsmith. And in verse 8, again, we have the perfumers. Then in verse 12, we have the rulers. Then in verse 26, we have temple servants. And verse 32, we have the merchants. So they were all from all walks of life, from all kinds of background. But however, there were this group of people who didn't want to do the work. We came across them just now, recorded in chapter 3, verse 5. He says, and next to them, okay, they were there, this group of um, people, next to them, the turquoise repaired, but... Their nobles would not stoop to serve the Lord. If you wonder why they do not want to serve, do not want to be part of the project, I don't know. The Bible did not give any reasons at all. No, so no actual reasons were given. But the way that Nehemiah wrote it, recorded it, it was as if that building the project was too, um, was beneath them. They would not stoop. You say they would not stoop to serve the Lord. That means it was beneath them. They, not, not the job is not atas enough for them because why? They were nobles. So sometimes we, we, when we ask to serve the Lord, we, we need to be humble and learn how to serve. Nonetheless, Nehemiah went ahead with the rest of the team, with the rest of the people, with the multi-talented people that he had, who were willing to part of, to be part of this big use your hand campaign. You know, building the wall is like a use your hand campaign. Huh? And they were willing to dirty their hands and get trained to handle bricks and mortar. Something that they may not be usually used to, something that they don't usually do. But because of that, they came together and willing to handle bricks and mortar to get their hands dirty, to get this building project going. Remember that they were professionals, and I'm sure that they were leaders in their own right, serving in their own respective fields. And it is certainly a great attitude of being humble. Other than bringing in their expertise, some of these people bring along their families. Sons and daughters were involved 
in working together side by side. In verse 12, it tells us, Next to them, Shalom, the son of Hadohesh, ruler of the half-district of Jerusalem, repaired he and his daughters. So the, it was also like a family project. A family project. And all of these Jews, I'm sure they were leaders in their own right, like I say, but they were willing to put down their personal pride, whatever misgiving that they have, and give of themselves wholly to the work of the Lord. Give of themselves wholly to the work of repairing the walls of Jerusalem and offering their talents, giving of their time, and coming together and collaborating for a common cause. So the second word, collaborate. So they were collaborating, they came together to collaborate for a common cause. And what is this common cause? The rebuilding of the walls of Jerusalem. They were involved in all kinds of things. They may be the one who just carry the bricks. They may be the one who's climbing up to put the bricks. They may be the one that is just putting cement and someone else put the bricks. I don't know. I don't know much about building bricks, building walls. So these this are some of the things that they probably have done. I have a, a, a map to show you. And this map, I taken from this particular book on Nehemiah, it, it shows you clearly, if you look at, right on top at 12 o'clock, and all the way down following the arrow is, is the whole of chapter, chapter 3, where they were building and what they were building, which part of the wall they were building. So chapter 3, verse 1 to 32 is all in this map. Cell leaders, I'll be sending you this map as well so that you can talk about it in your cell. You can take a look at it in your cell group. So Jerusalem was a place that they all can identify. They all could identify. A place where they belonged. A place that was close to everyone's heart. Because of this common cause, they were willing to collaborate by working side by side with one another. And they were willing to bring along their expertise and their experience. We read in this chapter the phrase, next to him or next to them, after him, after them, many times. They appeared about 28 times in this chapter. You've got 32 verses, huh? It appeared 28 times. So in most of the verses appear. It simply showed that they demonstrated seriousness in what they said. Let us rise up and build. That was what they said to Nehemiah. And they meant what they said. They were willing to work closely together in this cause. Why? First of all, I believe it gave them a sense of belonging sense of belonging. Jerusalem was a place close to the heart. They were probably reminded that it was a place full of vibrancy, a central place of worship, a central place of, of festival in the days of David. 
So they were prob Nehemiah probably had reminded them of all this thing. And interestingly, Nehemiah, the mastermind, they assigned them, some of them they were assigned close to their workplaces and some to their homes and some to their own residence. Let's just take a few examples. In verse 1, it says, And Elias here, the high priest, rose up with his brothers, the priests, and they built the ship gate. They consecrated it and set its doors. Where was this ship gate? Why was it called the ship gate? Commentators have it that this ship gate was very close to the heart of the priest. Why? You remember that in the Old Testament, when offering were made, a lot of them were sheep, right? So this sheep gate is the one that they will open and let the sheep in to be offered as animal sacrifice. So it was from this sheep gate, they took the sheep and they let, will lead the sheep to the temple for sacrifice. So the sheep gate must be properly repaired so that the, the priest in time to, camp, to come would have an easier job. So the high priest personally repaired the job and being high priest, after finishing it, they consecrated it and set its dolls in place. So how convenient, isn't it? Clever thinking, Nehemiah. Then some of them had it near their home. In verse 23, it says, after them, Benjamin and Hashihab repaired opposite their house and they built and after them Azariah the son of Hesiah son of Anamenia repaired beside his own house like I say it's become like a family project and this certainly gave them motivation to build that part of the wall why? For protection and for convenience, for protection. And they, and they could build with all seriousness and diligence to keep the family safe and protected. This reminds me of a psalm in, in Psalm 133. I'm sure all of us are familiar with it. I like what it says. It says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is when brothers dwell together. In, in collaboration effort, it is a time of unity. It's a time where these brothers and the, the families came together in unity to build or rebuild when they dwell together in unity. And it says, and the psalm says, if it, it's like a precious oil that flow from Aaron's beard, Aaron's beard to the, the bottom of his clothes. And he says, and I, I always like this verse, huh? in verse 3, at the end of verse 3, he says, For there the Lord has commanded the blessing life forevermore. Whenever I read this psalm, it always tells me that our God somehow likes the idea of unity. And we all know that there is strength in unity. And it is there that God will grant his blessing. When there is unity, God will grant his blessing. 
something for us to think about. Huh? Then other than the sense of belonging, it gives a sense of collaboration. In their collaboration and cooperation, they work side by side. That gives them some encouragement, isn't it? So there's this saying that says, teamwork makes the dream work. For example, our worship ministry. Our worship ministry consists of lawyers, lawyer, consists of student, consists of CEO, consists of people from different walks of life, a counsellor, an administrator, a teacher. So they all come together every time for a common cause. And what's the common cause for the worship team? To provide music accompaniment for us so that we can worship the Lord better. I'm sure each of them, playing their own instrument, come together as a team. They also provide that sense of encouragement to one another. And it is certainly teamwork. And teamwork makes the dream work. Isn't it? How true. Nehemiah displayed this wonderful trait of encouragement and teamwork where he mentioned 75 names. He recorded all 75 names in this chapter and 15 different groups of people like the priests, the Levites, the goldsmiths, the perfumers, temple servants and all. So he mentioned all of them and he recorded it in his journal. So that in time to come, when people look back at his journals, pick up his journal like us now, we see all these names that were recorded. It is like those when you contribute to a building, the name, your names are all there. And it's a, it's a kind of encouragement, isn't it? And Jean Getz has this to say in his book. He said the way in which the children of Israel rebuilt the wall in Jerusalem is a beautiful illustration of what Christ had in mind when he designed the body of Christ, his church. According to Paul, we are God's house, you and me, God's house, in 2 Peter chapter 5, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5. We are God's house, having built upon the foundation of apostles and the prophets. Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord. God's plan is clear. He wants every Christian to participate in building the church. Everyone is needed. We who are many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. So the rebuilding of the wall is a very good picture of how the body of Christ should work together in our community. I think it is a good summary of collaboration and collaboration, cooperation in a Christian community, the body of Christ. And Henry Ford had this to say, okay, Henry Ford, 
You see, coming together is the beginning. Staying together is a process. And then working together is a success. The difficult part sometimes is the staying together part, right? The stickability, the stick together. If I say something wrong in the middle of the building, I mean, in the rebuilding process, you may choose to walk away. You know? But they, were, they had a common cause. That was to see the end of the project. So staying together is a process, and working together is a success. The sense of belonging, the sense of encouragement made all these things easier. The cooperative effort, the collaboration effort easier. That is why I believe that complementing one another and complementing one another, the, 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 the word with the E and the word with the I is very important, that they go hand in hand. For a project to be successful, the co cooperation efforts needs everyone's commitment to the end. So the last C is committed to the end. The building project in Jerusalem was completed because everyone participated and were committed to the end, to see the end of the project. That was their goal. That was their common cause. And what they, were, they agreed to do from the beginning. Every worker who worked to repair their section of the wall was committed, faithful to see through their designated task to the end. The, verse, the phrase built, repaired, set its doors, appeared many times. Let's just look at a few, at two examples. Verse 3, it says, The sons of Hesana built, past tense, the fish gate, and they laid its beams and set its doors, its bloats, and the bars. Then, in verse 8, it says, Next to them, Uzziah, the son of Hahania, the goldsmiths, repaired. Next to him, Hananiah, one of the perfumers, repaired, and they restored Jerusalem as far as the bread wall. So they have seen their project to the end. It's, this is just a couple of examples. If you read through the whole chapter, you will see more of these phrases in the chapter. Not only that they were given the... Not only they have completed their assigned assignment, they were also willing to repair another section when they were done with this. We read in verse 24, and after him, Binu, the son of Hanadet, repaired another section from the house of Azariah, the buttress, to the corner and to the corner. So they were willing to walk the extra mile. They were willing to lend a helping hand to another section of the wall that was not completed. So we all know the completion of the building project 
give us a lot of achievement, a sense of achievement. And not only that, but they were also giving God the glory and honor. It was a project that was completed in 52 days in record time. I'm sure that you and I are grateful for opportunities like this, that we can partner with one another and most of all, partner with the Lord for the Lord's work, for, his, for the kingdom of God, for the building of the body of Christ. Because why? You and, you and I, we are all part of God's resources. We are all part of God's vessel that God can use. The day that we accept the Lord into our life, we enter into a covenant with God. And this covenant also involves getting our hands dirty to be in the God's, in God's kingdom's world. We serve the Lord because we love Him. I would like to encourage one of us, every one of us who is serving to continue serving. Because reminding ourselves that we are serving the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. And, and I would encourage all of us, that every one of us, to be involved in at least one ministry. Are you involved in one ministry? In this building project? In this spiritual building project? And I would like to end off with this verse. In 1 Corinthians Chapter 15, verse 58. Shall we all read this together? And let's encourage one another with this verse, okay? Let's read it together. One, two, three. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding. You're not very convincing, Lamb. Let's read it again. Let's stand up and let's read it again. Can I invite you to stand? You all stand. And let's read it again. And read it as a sense of encouragement to one another as we together are part of this spiritual body that God called us to, to, to be in. Let's read it together. Therefore, be steadfast. Be always abounding Amen Let us pray, shall we? Father, as this verse says Be steadfast, immovable Always abounding in the work of the Lord Father, may we encourage one another to be there, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord, our labor will never be in vain. Because God, you are the architect. You are the builder of our church. And we are all your resources. So use us, we pray. Use us for your honor and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.